Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter number 8. And um, I'm so looking forward to this week, uh, this month, with Missions Emphasis Month. I'll remind you, each week we'll meet here at 10 o'clock. And I know you've already had that announcement. And uh, thank, I'm so thankful for all the staff and those that uh, got to this service ready and have been working so hard for this Missions Emphasis Month and the decor. And uh, the Lord is just blessed in such a great way. I'm glad that we're able to be together here this morning. And uh, I'm praying that God would challenge us through his word in this area of missions. Missions, a lot of times we think of missions as just uh, overseas, some faraway place. But um, missions starts right in our neighborhoods, in our towns. And um, we are to be faithful taking the gospel of Jesus Christ around this world, but we're also called to take it to our neighbor as well. And so we're going to start this month with uh, taking the gospel to our neighbors, taking the gospel to our Jerusalem and uh, our country. And uh, then we'll have just an exciting month. And I hope that you'll be a part of that. As Richard mentioned about putting Bibles together, that is something that everyone can do of all ages. Uh, that's not just for adults. Children can be involved in that. It's taking the scriptures that have been printed, putting them together, um, stapling uh, them, putting, putting covers on them, stapling them, putting in boxes, and um, so that is something the entire family can be a part of. And I hope that you'll be here uh, those couple, time, couple dates, uh, this upcoming uh, event that we have from Bible Publishing. And I know that'll be a memory that you'll enjoy with your family. But let's begin reading in Acts chapter 8, verse number 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. This is Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr. Uh, if you remember in the book of Acts, the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. Jesus Christ has ascended back into heaven. The Gospels, the, the Gospels have now uh, finished and we're into the church age, the New Testament church age, which we're in today. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He's ascended back into heaven and he sits on the right hand of the Father waiting for his return. And we have preached that message. I've preached that from 1 Thessalonians over the last couple weeks leading up to this missions emphasis month that Jesus Christ is coming again. He's waiting for God to say, go get your bride. And, and those that are saved, those that have been uh, born again, and uh, Jesus Christ is coming for his bride. That's the rapture of the church. And as Jesus comes um, and raptures his church, what a wonderful day that's going to be. But until then, there is a, uh, a call, a commission that we've been given. And we, in the book of Acts, we find in the beginning of the book of Acts that Peter is standing there at the, uh, in Jerusalem, and Peter begins to preach the gospel message. The gospel of Jesus Christ is simply this. It's the death, the burial, of, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's that Jesus Christ came to this earth. He was 100% God, and he was 100% man. He was born of a virgin. He lived a, a sinless life. He went to the cross. He shed his blood there on that cross as the pain for man's sin debt. And for all those that would call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, shall be saved. 
Jesus Christ was placed in a tomb, and three days later, He rose again from the dead, conquering death, giving Him everlasting life to all those that would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That is the gospel message. And Peter begins to preach the gospel. Now, Peter is preaching the gospel in this place of Jerusalem, this place where the Jews are. They're looking for the Messiah. They're waiting for the Messiah. But they have rejected that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And Peter stands there in Jerusalem, the place that they rejected the Messiah, the people that put Jesus Christ on the cross, that crucified him, and he begins to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says 3,000 souls were saved that day. 3,000 that were there on the day of Pentecost. They came there for the sacrifice at the temple. They came there for the feast. They came there for the celebration of Pentecost. But they left changed because they put their faith in Jesus Christ. On that day, the New Testament church began. Believers in Christ began to meet. The Bible says they would meet daily, house to house. They would go and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. They would, they would sell what they had, and they would care for each other. This place, the, the New Testament church, what a, a wonderful thing it was here upon earth, and what a wonderful thing it is even today, some 2,000 years later, the, the church. And we saw... A couple uh, churches here today, we saw Revive Church, we saw the church there in Ann Arbor at Briarfield, uh, and, and uh, uh, we, saw, we saw a church there in Bono that, uh, that's a church just like we are, a local body of believers that come together, that preaches and believes the gospel of Jesus Christ, that proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ, and is the, the bride of Christ. What a wonderful thing the, the New Testament church is. But we come to chapter number eight, because the church, although it started, what a wonderful event it was there at Pentecost. The church grew to the place where there were some that needed to be chosen from within, amongst the church to help, because the church had needs. The widows there in the church had great needs, and, and the apostles were busy. The apostles were, were reading and studying and preaching and, 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 and uh, 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 leading that church there in, New, in, in Jerusalem, and, and the people had great needs, and, and those that uh, were chosen amongst them, the deacons that were chosen amongst them to meet those needs, one by the name of Stephen. Stephen was one that was chosen by the people, and, and Stephen was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and because he was proclaiming the gospel, Stephen was killed. He was killed for his faith. And there was this one man by the name of Saul that we read in chapter number eight. Saul was a Jew. Saul was one that was trained of the best Pharisees. He was a devout Jew. He could not understand, he could not comprehend these Christians that have now come into Jerusalem and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, the church was growing, the church was expanding, the church was just continuing to thrive, and Saul was going to do something about it. Saul was going to stop these Christians that were proclaiming that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. See, some thought this Christians, those that were followers of Christ, was a cult. 
Some thought that this was just a, a phase, that, uh, uh, just another that was coming, and if they could just put these men and these women down and, and keep them from preaching, eventually it would die out. And Saul was one, the Bible says, he was consenting unto his death, meaning he was a part of it, he was encouraging it. As Stephen was stoned, there, Saul was standing there holding the coats of those that would pick up stones and throw stones upon a, a, the body of, a, of this one named Stephen until he took his last breath and was killed. And Saul took great joy because Saul thought that he was doing God a favor. He thought he was working for God by, by putting down these that were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at the time, there was a great persecution against the church. In verse number one of chapter eight, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made great havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies and were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Now, as, as I'm reading this chapter, I, I, I can... Honestly, I, my heart is, is rejoicing because much of what I'm reading, within the last 10 days, I was there. I was there in Jerusalem. I stood on the Temple Mount where the temple stood and saw the place where Peter would have preached the gospel. I walked the steps where Jesus would have walked and saw the things that Jesus would have saw. One of the most fascinating things I saw one morning, I got up and, and watched the sun come up over the Sea of Galilee, and I was just overwhelmed with the thought of how many mornings did Jesus watch that very sun come up those, over those same mountains and, and watch that sun rise over that Sea of Galilee. I was overwhelmed with that thought to be where Jesus was, to be where these apostles were, the events that were taking place in chapter number eight, standing there in that place seeing what these apostles saw, seeing where the, the church, the day of Pentecost, where it all began. It was overwhelming and moving. And what an incredible thing has, has happened in Jerusalem. The gospel of Jesus Christ and the lives were changed. Sinners heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sinners heard that Jesus Christ came and died and paid their sin debt. And sinners repented of their sin and they were gloriously saved. The church was in unity and God's power was seen there in Jerusalem. Multitudes were turning to Christ. Baptisms like we saw this morning were taking place. Jerusalem was different. And what made Jerusalem different is there was a New Testament church in that city. And that changed everything. 
I'll tell you what makes Monclova different and Toledo different is that there's a New Testament church in that city, and that ought to make a city different. The things that are happening, the people that are going out and preaching and proclaiming and living the gospel of Jesus Christ, the impact that they're making in that city, it caused a stir. Every single place where a New Testament church stands, it ought to cause a stir in that city. People ought to see God moving in that city. God's power ought to be seen. God's authority ought to be seen. And the gospel of Jesus Christ ought to be preached. That is what happened in Jerusalem. And that's what ought to be happening in every city, in every town, in every village, in our nation, and around this world, that the New Testament church sits. There ought to be a difference in that city. Jesus gave his apostles a commission we know it as the Great Commission. In Mark chapter 16, you can find it in Matthew as well, but in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus said to his disciples, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God's plan for his, for his followers, God's plan for his children is to take the gospel to every nation, to every language, to every tribe, to every person. God's desire is that every single person hears the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. And that is this, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and that Jesus Christ saves. That's the message that God desires for us to preach. That is the purpose of Monclova Road Baptist Church. That is the purpose of our church in every New Testament church is to proclaim, boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. In chapter 8, we find persecution comes to the church. This morning, I want to look at several things. And first of all, I want to look at this morning. There's always a fight against the church. There's always a fight against the church. The fight against the church, the New Testament church, is not something new. There was a fight against the church from the beginning in the book of Acts. The religious crowd did not like the message of Jesus Christ is the Messiah. The, the, the one here named Saul did not like that Christians were, 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 were going in and proclaiming Jesus Christ. In verse number one, great persecution came against it, meaning the church. Great persecution came against the church. They were trying to silence the church. We live in a generation today that the voice of the church is trying to be silenced. To pray in Jesus' name is offensive. To proclaim the truth of the gospel is offensive. To stand on the word of God is offensive. And many today are trying to silence the church of Christ. But church, I want you to know something. It's not something new in our generation. This is something that has been happening since the beginning of the church. There's always a fight against the church. In verse number three, in verse number one, we find great persecution came against the church. In verse number three, and for Saul, he made havoc of the church. He did everything he could to destroy the church. He did everything he could to cause fear to come upon the church. 
The ancient Romans uh, that, that uh, were going after the Christians and killing the Christians. And, and, and uh, they literally would go to a Christian and make a public example of them. They would find a, 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 a small amount of people and, and put them in gladiator stadiums. And, and all of the Roman citizens would watch these Christians be killed by, by gladiators or be killed by wild beasts or wild animals. They would hang them and they would dip them in oil and hang them from the streets in Rome and burn them and use them as light in the evenings every night in Rome. Why would they do such a thing? They were trying to bring havoc to the church. They were trying to bring fear to the church. They are trying to make example of Christians. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this is going to be your fate. Stephen could have been taken into a, a back room and killed and nobody known it. But they took Stephen to a, a public place. The men of the city would go around about and pick up stones. And as people were walking by, they were witnessing Stephen being killed for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why would they do this publicly? Because they wanted everyone to beware. They wanted everyone to be warned that if you were a follower of Jesus Christ, this is your fate. Saul is bringing havoc to the church. He's going into every home, the Bible says in verse number three, and he's taking men and women and he's committing them to prison. He's placing them in prison. He's trying to do everything he can to make them a, an example. There's always a fight against the church. Oftentimes I think to myself, why can't it just be easy? Why can't we just love Jesus and serve Jesus and the world welcome that? The reason why is because there's an enemy. There's an enemy against the church. There's an enemy that wants to do everything they can to destroy the church. There's an enemy that wants to do everything he can to destroy your life. There's an enemy that wants to do everything he can to destroy your family. Satan, the Bible says, is as a roaring lion seeking to whom he may devour. There's an enemy to the church. His name is Satan, and he wants to do everything he can to destroy the New Testament church of Christ. The Bible says this, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and high places. The fight that we're after is not a fight of, of humans. It's not a fight of, of flesh and blood. There is a spiritual war. And church, we must be on guard. We must be ready. We must understand as God's children that there is a spiritual attack. There is a war that's wait raging against our church and against churches like this all across our world. And Satan wants to do everything he can to see churches uh, disrupted, bring havoc to churches. He wants to do everything he can to destroy churches because the church is the place that is supposed to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if he can keep the church from proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, he will have the souls of mankind. There's a spiritual fight that's taking place right now. And it's a fight for your soul. It's a fight for the souls of mankind. There's a fight for our children. And we need to be ready and we need to be waiting. 
We need to be busy serving in, 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 in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the gospel of Christ and only the gospel of Christ that changes lives. In Matthew chapter number 16, we won't go there for sake of time, but Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 20, there's an interesting passage of Scripture here. Jesus takes his disciples to a place called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi is a, an ancient city. Jesus takes his disciples to this place, and it's named Caesarea Philippi after Herod Philip, uh, which is a Roman uh, king. But the Greeks came, and the Greeks founded this city, and this city by the Greeks was called Pan or Panarius, uh, to, to worship the god of Pan. It was an ancient city, and when the Romans came and took the city, they renamed the city, but, but uh, demonic and, and uh, worshiping of other gods still took place. This city in the day of Christ was a very wicked city, a, very, a city that, that sat at the foothills of Mount Hermon in a place called Caesarea Philippi, where people would come to worship other gods, a wicked place. This was a city, a place that we visited while we were in Israel. On my first trip to Israel, I visited this place, and just a, a wicked place it is. There's a, there's a cave that you walk up to. This cave sits in the side of the mountain on the foothills of Mount Hermon. Now, the ancient... Civilizations believe that Mount Hermon was the place where Baal reigned. You see, in the, in the days of old, they would think that, that uh, these deities would, would live upon the mountains, the highest places upon the earth. It's the reason why back when the, when the people in Genesis wanted to reach heaven, they built a tower, and they called the Tower of Babel. They wanted to make a tower unto God to make a name for themselves. They thought if you could get to the highest places upon earth, earth that's where the deity dwelled. That's where the gods lived in and, and, uh, Mount Hermon is one of the highest places in Israel, and it's said through, through tradition that that is the place where Baal or Satan or the gods dwell. So in that place is where much worshiping of other gods took place. When Jeroboam took the ten tribes of Israel and the two tribes worshiped in Jerusalem, and he took and split the ten tribes of Israel. He was afraid that the ten tribes would go back and begin to worship in Israel once again in Jerusalem at the temple. So what did he do? He built a, a, a high place in, in the cities of Dan, the tribe of Dan. He built an altar. He built an altar in Bethel. And in those altars, he built a golden calf. And the 10 tribes of Israel began to worship the golden calf in Dan and in Bethel. Instead of worshiping the one true God, he was afraid that they would reunite again with the other two tribes. And then they, they would unite. And he wanted to stop that. So he built a place for them. And in Dan, in this region of Dan, the places of Dan and in Mount Hermon, 
in Caesarea Philippi is all the same area where Baal was worshipped and Pan was worshipped and all the gods were worshipped. All the gods that God said, go into the land and expel those gods and, and toss them out and worship me and me only. It was God that said, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. God wanted a people that worshipped him and him alone. And in Caesarea Philippi, people from all nations would come and worship the God of fertility. And in this cave that went into this mountain in Caesarea Philippi, they called this, I mean, this opening is a huge opening. They called this opening the gates of hell. It's still called that to this day. The gates of hell stood in the mountain, the foothills of Mount Hermon in Caesarea Philippi. And in that place, the gates of hell, there was a stream coming out. And they believed that that stream was coming from, from hell itself, bringing fertility to the earth. And in that place of Pan in Caesarea Philippi, horrible, horrible things took place. They'd throw their children into the streams and kill their children to appease the gods. Prostitution took place. Relationships with animals, I mean, just the most disgusting, horrible things took place here in Caesarea Philippi. The foothills of Mount Hermon where the gods were worshipped. In Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13 through 20, Jesus takes his disciples, the Bible says, to the coast of Caesarea Philippi. He takes his disciples to this very place. He takes his disciples to a pagan city. I can only imagine his disciples thinking, why are we going to Caesarea Philippi? It's known as the gates of hell. It's known as a place where, where all the pagans are worshiping. They understand the, the implementation, uh, implications of that place and all that has happened through the centuries, through civilization, all the, the horrible things that took place there. And Jesus chose to take his, his disciples to this place called Caesarea Philippi. And as Jesus Christ stood on the foothills of Mount Hermon, Mount Hermon believed to be the, the mountain where Baal and all evil dwells. As he stood there in the city of Pan behind him, this, this opening, this massive cave into the side of this mountain where they called it the gates of hell. Jesus stood there with his disciples and he pro boldly proclaimed to be the Christ. To be the Messiah. And he said this, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Oh, some have, have misconfused that, that statement thinking that Peter, he was referring to Peter, and that he was saying, Peter, you're the rock that I'm going to build my church upon. But that's not what Jesus was saying at all. Jesus was standing in a place that men were using to worship Baal. 
Jesus was standing in a place, a mountain region that men were going and sacrificing their children. It was where all mankind have given themselves over to the gods of this earth, to these false gods, to Satan himself. And as Jesus is standing there on the side of that mountain in front of that cave that they called the gates of hell, he says, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What was Jesus saying? That he's going to take back this place that hell had no power over him that Satan has no victory over Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ was going to give that power to his church and that his church was going to be able to stand against the gates of hell that his church was going to be able to stand against the powers of Satan that his church was going to stand and proudly and boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and nothing upon this earth could stop them you see, mankind was given over to, to Satan and given over to devils. And Jesus, what was he proclaiming? He was proclaiming this, that when he goes to that cross, that his blood is going to be shed, that Satan was going to be defeated, that hell was going to be defeated. And there's coming a day that God himself is going to take Satan and he's going to cast Satan and hell in the lake of fire. And Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign for all of eternity. Jesus Christ has defeated Satan. Jesus Christ Christ has defeated hell, and Jesus Christ has given power to his church to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. Oh, church, oh, listen to me, church. We must take this message. We must take this and boldly proclaim to our generation. Let's not be the generation that, 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 that gets lazy. Let's not be the generation that goes silent. Let's not be the generation that just enjoys the comforts of this world. But let's be the generation that proudly and that boldly proclaims that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that Jesus Christ is King. I don't want to just take it easy in this generation. I don't want us to just have a church and have a kingdom to ourselves and just build buildings and have a wonderful place in Monclova that meets all of our family's needs and meets all of our needs and is just a, a, an oasis in a desert. I want us to take and take this place and take this place to Bono and take this place to Ann Arbor and take this place to Cincinnati and take this place into every highway and every village in every city and let's see the, the church of God built up and strong wrong in our generation. Let's sacrifice. Let's give. Let's serve. Let's go. I am so thankful for men like Jeff Kaminsky. You saw in the video at Bono. Every week he's preaching. Every week he's studying. Every week he's sacrificing. Every week he's going. And he's standing before a group of people there that want to see their church revitalized, that wants to see their church go forward for the cause of Christ. And he's willing to go. Let's be a church that's willing to go. Let's be a church that believes that the gates of hell cannot prevail against what God has called us to do. Does it get difficult? Sure it does. There's people that want to stop what we're doing. 
mean, the things that are going on in our generation today are crazy. But Jesus Christ said, hell will not prevail against us. We have power that comes from Jesus Christ. We have authority that comes from Jesus Christ. And in the name of Jesus Christ, church, let's do something for the kingdom of heaven in our generation. Let's see churches planted. Let's see churches revitalized. Let's see God's glory come to a place, come to a city, and the people there have great joy because they've heard what Jesus Christ can do. You know what Jesus can do? He can save the most wickedest of sinners. You know what Jesus can do? He can put together the families that are on the brink of divorce. You know what Jesus can do? Jesus can, can, can take and give peace to the most, most bitter soul. The one that's got the most shame in her life, Jesus can bring peace to. Jesus can restore the broken. He sets the captive free. He sets the addicted free. He takes the one that lives in shame and disgust, and he makes them a child of his own. That's the power that God has. And it's what God has given us as his local church. Church, as we begin this month of Missions Emphasis Month, our focus today is upon the church. And Satan's trying to do everything he can to get the church off course. The church isn't here so that every single need we have in our families are going to be met. There's going to be things that you need we can't offer. The church isn't here for dramas and concerts. The church is here to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because this world needs to hear the truth. And as Jesus stood at the foothills of this place that has been given over to Satan, he proclaimed to his disciples that he is one. Today, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have victory because your Savior is one. And if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can have victory today. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Church, would you be committed to strengthening to going, to sacrificing, to serving. I don't want to see Toledo go the way of this world. We have universities north and south that are teaching anti-God and we need the truth of the gospel. We've got educational systems across our land today that are teaching our children, indoctrinating our children. And we need a church that'll stand 
for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got to fight against babies that have not even been born yet. And we must be a church that'll stand for the sanctity of life. You see, the fight is against us. But Christ has promised us that the gates of hell shall not prevail. We have victory and we have power. And I say today, let's claim that power. Let's claim that victory through Jesus Christ. And let's see God do miraculous things through Monclova Road Baptist Church for his glory and his honor. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.